1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look
0: to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. As the eyes of the world focus on the latest flood of calamities, the most urgent may not be the most visible to the average person. For decades we've seen an erosion of Christian values, but today we're experiencing a world gone mad. Christ followers are being edged out of cultural and political influence. Cultural norms are shifting. What can we do in a world hostile to Christianity? Dr. Yusuf's book, Hope for This Present Crisis, presents a seven-part plan, providing practical steps on how to be a godly influence in our society and how to take a stand for our faith in a culture aggressively opposed to the truth of Christ. Contact us today to order your copy of Hope for This Present Crisis. Visit us at ltw.org, ltw.org. Get a copy of this timely book today. Order your copy of Hope for This Present Crisis when you call 1-300-133-589. 1-300-133-589. Or visit the website ltw.org. ltw.org. In a moment, listen in to what Paul told the Thessalonian Church about standing up for your faith, even when taking a stand brings persecution. You'll be encouraged to hold firm to the truth, deepening your alliance on getting strength from God's word. Listen now as Dr. Yusuf guides
1: you into 2 Thessalonians. The word stability has always been an important word to me. Stability. A stability is really a coveted quality in every sphere of life. Governments talk about stable economies. Uh, Builders, of course, build stable buildings. Uh, Carpenters and furniture designers, they design stable furniture. Uh, Aircrafts and ships uh, have stabilizers to counteract the turbulences uh, and the ocean swells. Parents know the importance of providing stability for their children. Stability. We all admire a stable personality. A stable character and a a person of conviction. And in the New Testament, you see it again and again and again. The Scripture exhorts us to stability. It gives us command to be stable in our Christian walk. As a matter of fact, chapter 2, verse 2, Paul urges them, he says, Do not be easily unsettled or do not be easily unstable. And then we see it here in verse 15 of 2 Thessalonians. What he said, do not become unstable. He said, so then, brethren, stand firm. And the question that any honest person will have to ask is, wait a minute, how can they stand firm under these crushing circumstances? How can they be stable when the world is being rocked? Uh, how can they find stability in the midst of the raging seas? What anchor that keeps them from being tossed about In every storm in life, how can they be stable when they are in the midst of this troubled ocean of life? Where can they find such stabling force in their life? What is that foundational rock that the anchor can find that solid rock and and to stand firm and be stable? In fact, these Thessalonians, they were like a ship in the midst of raging waters. You have to understand, when Paul writes this, he was not writing to people sitting there in air-conditioned comfort and everything is hunky-dory. No, they were facing the high waves of persecution. They were facing a strong gust of the wind of false teaching that threatened to literally blow them over. And so Paul tells them first that he's praying for them. That's in verse 13, 14. And then he goes in at verse 15 and tells them to be stable. Had he started with being stable, you know, say, okay, somebody patting you on the back and said, you know, hang in there, baby. <laughs> it's going to be all right. No, that's not what he's doing here. He says, I'm praying for them first. He said, I'm praying for you. He's praying for their stability. He's praying for their firm stand. In fact, Paul's prayer is a great model of prayer for every one of us as we pray for one another and as we pray for the body of Christ. It's a great model of prayer to pray for people to be stabilized and and have that stable force in their life. Above all, he's of course in the context, is talking about those who will face the spirit of lawlessness. Those who are going to face the spirit of the Antichrist. Those who are going to face when hell breaks loose. All those who are experiencing the anarchy. That's going to come with the Antichrist, all of those who live through the powerful wind of lawlessness, all of those who have faced the gale of terror and evil that will come upon the world. That's what he was talking about. But before the Apostle Paul can appeal to them to say, be stable, stand firm, he tells them the reason why they can't stand firm. He reveals to them the power of that rock upon which they stand firm. He reminds them of that 60,000 pound anchor that is holding them strong and stable. He reminds them of this indescribable strong foundation that holds them in place. He reminds them of their absolute unshakable security in Christ. Verse 13, we ought always to thank God for you, brethren. Why? Well, for just being nice people. (laughs) For being so tolerant and so understanding. For never judging anybody's sin and, and just accepting all lifestyles. For your accommodating to your pagan neighbors. And very understanding. You have mastered the art of compromise. Now, beloved, listen to me. That's what a modern clergyman would have written. Today, that is not what the Word of God said. He said, because you are loved of the Lord. Uh, From the very beginning, God chose you, God saved you through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit through belief in the truth. That's why he's giving God thanks, for them. Listen, even psychologists today are saying that there's nothing more stabilizing for a child than a loving, affirming, disciplining parents. Uh, There's nothing more confident building in a child uh, than being loved unconditionally and having holy boundaries around them. They say the lack of boundaries make a child grow up to be insecure. So they know exactly where they stand at every moment and every circumstance. And so Paul gives thanks to God. Why? Why? Because He chose you, because He loved you, because He called you, and He's going to keep you safe all the way home. Regardless of the present circumstances, regardless of the present troubles, regardless of future lawlessness, God's call, God's sovereign choice, God's predetermined love, all of that gives him that 60,000 pound anchor in the midst of the waves and the tossing waves and the stormy seas. You don't believe me? Well, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 37. He's talking about the believers. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never, never drive away. But that's not all. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I shall lose none of all that he has given me. But raise them up in the last day. Uh, But that's not all. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. But that's not all. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never, here's that word again, never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. But that's not all. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch him from my Father's hand. Did you get that? Say amen. amen. If that does not give you all the stability you need in life, I don't know what will. In fact, these scriptural truths alone should keep us in a state of thanksgiving 24-7. Amen. But he's doing something else here in this passage, in this chapter 2. He is contrasting the redeemed with the unredeemed. That's what he's doing here. In the last message, we saw the description of the unredeemed. He gave it to us. Five, Uh, Basically, downward spiral, we saw them. Uh, They love wickedness. They hate the truth. They will follow the Antichrist. And God gives them a spirit of delusion. Remember I told you, God gives you more of what you want? And so he gives them up. And eternally they'll be condemned. Oh, what a contrast with the unredeemed And they're redeemed. (laughs) What a contrast. God chose them. God loves them. God called them. God brought them into being. God gives them security in their life. But the question, uh, some people might be asking, when was it that God loved you, He called you and chose you? When did this happen? Did this happen the moment you came to Christ, you repented of your sins, and you put your faith in Him alone? Is that the moment? No, much earlier than that. Was it when you were born? No, much earlier than that. Was it before you were born? No, much earlier than Was it when your parents were born? No, much earlier than that. He said He loved you, called you, and chose you before the foundation of the world. Now that is not my opinion. That's the Word of God. He knew you. He loved you. He called you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You know and I know that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not perfect. We know that. And people like to throw this at you. So we're not perfect. Of course we're not perfect. We know that. We know that we occasionally sin. We know that. But listen to me. I can testify to you. And I know many, hundreds of you would testify the same that because of this eternal love, because of this eternal choice, every time a believer sins, he feels or she feels like a heel. Do you know why? Do you know why? Who wants to offend and disobey such divine and eternal love? Only a person who does not really know the Lord can sin without the urgency of repenting and turning back to the Lord. But you have to understand that this has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Paul. It has nothing to do with the people in the Bible. It has nothing to do with... It It has to do with who God is. That is the nature of God from Genesis to Revelation as it's revealed to us in the Bible. That's who He is. It has nothing to do with us. In fact, listen to what Moses said about God's sovereign, loving choice way back in the Old Testament. Because that is the nature of God. has nothing to do with us. Now, beloved, listen to me very carefully. I know some of you have trouble believing in the sovereignty of God. And it could be just not being taught well. But I'm going to tell you. If you have problem believing in the sovereignty of God, then you... Do not know the true, loving, caring God of the Bible. But do you know why there's some people who really resent and reject the sovereignty of God? I want to tell you, I want to give you a secret. The reason so many people reject the sovereignty of God is because it crushes our human pride. Oh, they don't want that? Me? You see, when God gets all of the credit for salvation... God is exalted and he gets all the glory. And when he receives all of the glory and all of the praise for his sovereign love, that produces joy in us. And that joy fills our heart. And when it fills our heart, we feel privileged. And when we feel privileged, that promotes holiness in life. And holiness gives us stability and security. This is the divine love and call and choice of God. And it does not undermine our zeal for witnessing to the unsaved and the unbelievers. It does not do that. It does the opposite. It does the opposite. Uh, we feel so honored, we feel so privileged, and, and we so loved, and we feel secure, and we wanted everyone in the world to discover this great treasure. In fact, Paul's point here is this: he said, this sovereign loving choice should banish fear from our life, really in reality. If you believe in that sovereign choice and love of God, you should not have fear in life, especially fear of sharing Christ with others. But listen to me. Let the evil one mount his fiercest attack, uh, let the man of lawlessness be revealed. Let Satan's toy, Satan's boy, the Antichrist, persecute us. Let all hell breaks loose. Let all the rebellion break out. It will not shake us. It will never move us. It will never touch us. It will never affect us. For we are held in the palms of his hands. We are carried on his shoulders. He who touches us touches the apple of his eye. Paul's stability, your stability, its not based on the circumstances. It's not based on you. It's not based on me. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on emotions. But it is firmly established in the sovereignty of his loving choice. You see, now, after he tells them all that, and why he's praying for them, why he's thanking God for them, then he comes in verse 15 and he said, stand firm. Listen, I'm a positive person. I live a positive life, but my positive life does not stem from the fact that oh, I can do it. No, it stems from the fact that I stand on the rock. <laughs> it comes from the fact that I know what anchor is holding me. It's, it comes from the fact that I know that my feet are fixed on terra firma, that you can stand firm because you and Who holding on to you, not what you're holding on to. And what was holding on to you is immovable. Immovable. What is that? Because of the truth of the gospel that has been handed to you. Now some of your translations, I don't know what translation of the Bible you have. It says the tradition that passed to you. Well, it's an old English word really does not, we don't use it in the same way today. It's a tradition that you go to the restaurant next door after church every Sunday. That's a tradition. But that's not what the word here means. That does not mean that at all. The word here means the foundation of the Christian faith. As it was handed from the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And they, in the New Testament, handed it to us. And I often say, this is the greatest apostolic succession there is is that we are successors of the apostles because we are into their teaching because we build our faith on the teaching of the apostles. (laughs) It is historical evidence of Christ's life. It is a historical evidence of Christ's redeeming work on the cross. It is the historical evidence of Christ rising again on the third day, physically and bodily. It is a historical evidence of Christ's ascension into heaven. It is a historical evidence of Jesus' miraculous work. It is a historical evidence of Jesus' teaching. It is a historical evidence of Jesus being the divine Son of God, who's God of very God and become man of very man. It is a historical evidence of Jesus' promise that he's going to come back and he's going to judge every single human being that's ever lived. Our stability is based on the solid rock promises of God. Amen. That's what the word tradition here means. Our stability, our security is built on the historic evidence of the work of Christ. Our stability is founded on God's own words. Our security stems from God's sovereign, unconditional love and choice. Then he concludes this chapter. Not that Paul was writing in chapter and verse, but he concludes this passage, verses 16 and 17. He concludes with a prayer. Again, it's an incredible model prayer. A prayer that the God of power and might, the God of all strength, will strengthen them even further will empower them in their day-to-day life. Paul's prayer teaches us something very, very important. Namely, that our stability totally rests on the foundation of God's sovereign and unchangeable love. But then the way we manifest that to the world is our moment-by-moment living, relying, trusting in the strength of God. Not our own, where people think, Well, you know, back yonder I in my profession of faith, so now I can live any which way out. No, 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 that's not how it works. That's not what the Apostle Paul is praying for here. We live every moment of every hour of every day in absolute, total reliance upon the strength of the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord. We cannot serve one another. We cannot give of ourselves based on our own strength or even our goodwill or even our desire. That would only last for a short period of time and then we crash and burn. i met so many crashing and burning Christians. I really do. Why? Because I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And then when they can't do it, leaning on the strength of the everlasting arms Leaning on him and his power moment by moment is my witness to the world that I truly believe in the promises of God. That I truly anchored my faith in him and him alone. And that keeps me strong and go from strength to strength to strength. In fact, that is the only thing that's going to protect you from going on a spiritual high and a spiritual low. Spiritual high, spiritual low. Spiritual high, that's going to give you what? Can you remember the word? Stability. In fact, there's a word picture here in this prayer, the last two verses of chapter 2. There's a word picture. The word picture is that a faithful believer stands in the middle between two things. He's standing between the power of the promises of God and the word of God, which is the past, and the power of God today in the present. Day by day, we live between the unchangeable, unconditional love of God in His Word and His present empowerment to live faithfully for Him and stand firm for Him day by day. Standing firm and having stability in life is not only impossible but incomprehensible apart from being sandwiched between the past promises of God and the present power of God. Amen? Amen? Only you know where you stand. It's a very personal issue, but I pray that if you're a person who have said, I made my profession of faith, God, just expect me to make the best I know how and live by my own strength. That you'll turn away from that. Because that's a sure way for the enemy to get to you. You're the only one who know where you stand. Are you bracketed? Are you sandwiched between the promises of God and the Word of God and the moment-by-moment moment strength that He provided for you? That's His desire for you. That's His desire for me. That's His desire for His church. Father, we are so blessed people. We're so honored. We're so privileged. Not only we have the anchor that holds us in the rock, but we know that this anchor is moment by moment, day by day. It is not just a past thing. It is a present thing. And we praise you. And we thank you. And we bless you. And Father, I pray for every person who is in this place, wherever they are, I pray a Holy Spirit will reach down so deep into their heart. Father, do not permit this to be a message that goes in one ear and come out the other. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your word be the transforming power that changes our lives so that we can move from one point of glory into another. In Jesus' name.
0: Life-changing words from Dr. Michael Yusuf. Thanks for joining him for Leading the Way. Now, many of you know that Dr. Yusuf is the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, a church with a mission and passion to reach the lost and equip the saints for the work of ministry through the use of the latest media tools both at home and around the world. Due to that mission and passion, Leading the Way was born and now is seen and heard across six continents in 26 languages and growing. People engage with Leading the Way radio through stations like this one in the United States, United Kingdom and elsewhere. A weekly television program is seen globally through several networks, as well as Leading the Way's own satellite channel, The Kingdom Set. And field team members spread the gospel through active evangelism and discipling Christians to reach their part of the world with the gospel. We'd encourage you to learn more about Leading the Way with Dr. Yusuf, as he continues to be obedient to the Great Commission. Here's how: one 300 133 589 589 And online at ltw.org, ltw.org. Well, thanks for listening. And make plans to join Dr. Yusuf next time for more Leading the Way.